1: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hope you had a
2: great weekend, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going 100 miles an hour just to start. Charlie Hurt in about 30 minutes, but in the meantime, we're going to give you a chance to talk. one We all saw that rally over the weekend where tens of thousands, maybe 100,000 people showed up. CNN said 10,000 people showed up. There's no, there's tens of thousands of people showed up. And then night fell. Guess what happens? Black Lives Matter comes out. Antifa groups comes out. They dress in black. They wear masks. They shoot fireworks at people. They sucker punch uh, 60-year-old, 65-year-old men in the back of the head, fall flat on their face. You got to see some of this video. Other people, they throw eggs at because... They're part of the 72 million that voted for President Trump that is passionate that he got a raw deal, perhaps. So they just want to show, hey, you're only a few blocks away and we appreciate you. In fact, the president did drive by. We also about a half hour ago got some great news, all uh, rumored prior, but now it's official. Moderna has gotten a uh, got the studies back in their phase three trial and 95 percent effective. It's going to go out. We believe it could start going out at the end of this month, this month. This is great news, but it's not stopping the cases uh, from rising. Uh, the president will have, uh, not have anything on the schedule publicly. The vice president will participate in a uh, transfer meeting of power. Meanwhile, they are going full steam ahead with their protests. Uh, protests and their investigation on what went wrong in these battleground states. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know,
3: it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Among 30,000 participants receiving the two-dose Moderna vaccine, there were a total of 95 cases of symptomatic COVID. All but five were in the placebo arm meaning the vaccine was 94.5% effective. There were no reports of serious side effects. Dr.
2: John LePou, COVID-19 cases rising in 49 states, individual lockdown crackdown beginning in Washington and Michigan. So it didn't stop the virus first time with these big lockdowns. Why do it again? I just talked to Secretary Azar. We should not do it, he says. A key member of the Trump medical team echoes what many of us feel. It's time to just say no.
4: Number
5: two. The only mandate that the American public said is they're against socialism. They're against defunding the off the police. And the one thing they really don't want to see is that Nancy Pelosi or the Democrats continue to lead. They didn't win any seats going forward. Republicans won throughout this nation.
2: No one's talking about this. Has the GOP success been overlooked from the House to the state houses and now just a seat away from the Senate? Has America sent a message the media is once again ignoring? I say yes. We will not ignore it. Plus, uh, the latest on these Georgia Senate races.
4: Number one.
6: Starting in August, both candidates have been receiving all these briefings. Joe Biden shut off after the election. And if you take politics out of this, national security trumps it. We should make sure, just like during September, we're also still, in November, still preparing both of them to, to be prepared for national security issues.
2: Senator Langford weighing in on our show. Transition and examination of the election can both take place at the same time. I agree. We'll update you on the Trump challenges to the results in the 2020 election and the push for cooperation between Biden and the Trump teams. Look. From what I could tell, the only thing that I think the Trump team can effectively argue that would have really change the results of an election is this whole Dominion voting system, which they should have protested before if there was a problem. I, like many of you, did not know much about it. I do find out that four Democratic senators in 2019— Protested that they were using a system that they thought was vulnerable, but I have not heard much complaint since now the election happens. They did admit that they registered one pro Republican region when it went so heavily democratic they examined it and found out the votes were the votes were transferred of a glitch in the scanner, so they fixed it but that 's all we know but there's a very confident trump election team, an investigation team that thinks that this thing's going to get overturned, including. Uh, Sydney Powell, she was on with Maria Sunday. Cut 14.
4: First of all, I never say anything I can't prove. Uh, secondly, the evidence is coming in so fast, I can't even process it all. Millions of Americans have written, I would say, by now, uh, definitely— HUNDREDS OF THOUSANDS HAVE STEPPED FORWARD WITH THEIR DIFFERENT EXPERIENCES OF VOTER FRAUD, BUT THIS IS A MASSIVE ELECTION FRAUD. AND I'M VERY CONCERNED IT INVOLVED NOT ONLY uh, DOMINION AND ITS SMARTMATIC uh, SOFTWARE, BUT THAT THE SOFTWARE ESSENTIALLY WAS USED BY OTHER ELECTION MACHINES ALSO. IT'S THE SOFTWARE THAT WAS THE PROBLEM. EVEN THEIR OWN MANUAL EXPLAINS HOW VOTES CAN BE WIPED AWAY uh, they can put—it's like drag-and-drop Trump votes to a separate folder and then delete that folder. It's absolutely brazen how people bought this system and why they bought this system. In fact, every state that bought Dominion, for sure, should have a criminal investigation or at least a, a serious investigation of the federal, of the officers in the states who bought the software.
2: So a huge accusation. they got to prove it quickly. So far, there's no sign of it uh, in these different states. Now, we know what the lieutenant governor said. He's going to be joining us at some point in the Monday edition of the show of Texas. He says, I wouldn't get in on a plane with that software. It's bad software. So uh, I'll keep you updated because to me, that seems like the only thing that could overturn a distance of 14,000 in Georgia, 53,000 in Pennsylvania, about 10,000 in Arizona. Those are the states they needed. They didn't get him. You know, it's amazing. If the president just held on to Georgia and Arizona, probably—I think the math says he wins. So he didn't even need those other states, or 2 he'll be at 260. would have been even closer, but it didn't. So that's where we're at right now. I'll, I'll keep you up to date on that. But we've got some great news about Moderna. Moderna is now in the vaccine game. Look, the more you think about it, the more we, we watched country shut down, the second wave hits. You know, I guess there was one way to do it in Hong Kong— they are so oppressive in their follow up and their tracing and they're so small they're able to have like six or seven desks when you come in from the airport before you actually get through that sets up tracing and has enforcement of staying in the two to two week quarantine but we don't have it italy didn't have it germany had it and they got it again Spain is locked down. France is locked down. They've all left the major cities. The U.K. is an absolute carnival of ineptness. So I'm not sure this is controllable at all. I'm going to add something else to this conversation. Italy, it turns out, according to doctors, a report that I just saw, they have signs that this virus was in Italy in September of 2019. Really? September of 2019. You had the virus there. We didn't find out about it until December. Didn't know how serious it was into January. We locked down at the end of February. And yet it was around since September. And you blame us or the president from leading the WHO. Why would he even stay in there? The WHO was bullied. They weren't given access. They weren't allowed to use all the uh, financing that we supplied and they didn't. So now we're looking at Michigan locking down, Washington locking down, Oregon for two weeks locking down. And can I mention, it doesn't work, and it's not effective. Temporarily, perhaps. Cases, 31 states, record high. New cases up to 81% in the last two weeks. Deaths are up 39 It's cold winter. Most people are indoors. High schools and colleges will go remote now in Michigan. Indoor gatherings limit to 10 in Michigan. Casinos and movie theaters are closed in Michigan, as are gyms. Uh, they're allowed to reign open but no group classes. Uh, they're now severely limited with bars and restaurants. What are you supposed to do for a living? What are you supposed to do for work? What are you supposed to do if you actually want to get out? No. More quality of life is diminished. And more people are suffering and they've done almost no progress except for the vaccine, which is real progress. So Dr. Atlas came out and said this. The only way this stops me in Michigan is if people rise up, you get what you accept. Hashtag freedom matter. Step up. Now, people right away say Governor Whitmer, they had a kidnapping plot. We shouldn't have been say you shouldn't have been saying that. Then he went and clarified nothing to do with violence. But at some point you have to stand up and say, I need a quality of life. Here is Admiral uh, Brett Giroir. He's running the Trump team coronavirus response unit as opposed to the Biden. First, here's the Trump, Con 26
5: We don't have to close schools. We don't have to close major industries. But we are going to have to be careful around the holiday time. Because even a large gathering within your household can be a a way that it can spread. And if you just Google CDC holiday gatherings, there's some very easy tips to keep your family safe during the holidays.
2: Yeah, that's fine. So the Biden transition team—they're all not—they're also not saying lock them out. Cut 27.
5: We are not in
6: support of a nationwide lockdown, and believe there is not a scenario unless. Uh, there, there simply isn't a scenario because um, we can get this under control. The critical parts are understanding what we've learned since we did a nationwide lockdown in early April, and that is that you can have targeted measures uh, building on mask wearing to include widespread testing, can include uh, dialing up and down capacity restrictions, and those measures need to happen. In a more localized basis, you can look at New York City, for example, where on a zip code by zip code basis, you can deploy different uh, different restrictions in order to get uh, the virus under control. And it's quite effective. We do not uh, need to go into a nationwide shelter-in-place uh, shutdown.
2: Well, you appreciate I appreciate that message because other uh, analysts that you have on your staff, Joe Biden, are saying lockdown. That's an issue. And now on the zip code thing, probably the stupid one of the stupider things Mayor De Blasio has done. Do you think this virus knows a zip code? Do you think it understands a zip code? It hits a zip code at a time. It's a joke. Governor Cuomo says, get out at 10 o'clock. I was talking to two restaurant owners over the weekend. They say, what is happens after 10 o'clock? I'm just telling everyone to box up their dinner, who I seat at 9 o'clock, because thank goodness they have a little bit of a wait. And now they see if they get close to 10, they're not even coming out. Rather than grabbing an appetizer, maybe going to the bar and doing this thing called making a profit responsibly. He says, we have handled it. Where people walk up, they go, hey, guys, can you separate? Keep this group here. I walked into two places, the plexiglass up. People have learned. But you know who has not learned? Governor Cuomo. His arrogance as an author and as a governor is beyond description. And now when he comes out and says this, he wonders why there's blowback from the White House. Cut 28.
7: It's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is Uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan.
2: And he doesn't want any part of that plan. So he says, "Okay, I'll tell you what, let you let him say cut 30.
7: This vaccination process has not been thought through at all. It's just what Trump did with the testing and the PPE and the masks. Uh, He has no idea how to govern. And his government is frankly incompetent. They're now saying we're going to do do vaccine distribution. Uh, You start off with a very high level of skepticism among the general population. That's 50% that don't trust the vaccine. That will do in a panel. Once you get past that, you have a scale that you haven't even imagined. I've only done 12 million COVID tests. So
2: here's the thing with Governor Cuomo. What he doesn't understand is it's already been done. Uh, The military has been mobilized. The general has been assigned. It was featured on 60 Minutes. Go on your 60 Minutes app, which I have because you probably missed it on Sunday because you were busy probably giving a speech about or some Zoom call about your book, and see what's going on. The general in charge says, not only can I see where every vial is, I will know when they're dispensed. That's the detail. They turned it over to the military. But I'm sure you know more because it's going so well in New York. 30,000-plus are dead, 6,000 to 11,000 in nursing homes alone. Industry has virtually stopped. Transportation doesn't happen. There are no businesses back and running. I was on a train after doing Greg Gutfeld's taping on Friday, at five o'clock on a Friday. If I get there close to five, I usually can't get a seat. You got to get there at, at, at 15 minutes before, and you can get a decent seat. I was the only one in the car. And this is eight months later. That's the guy that's going to tell me about a vaccine distribution. No, that's the guy that was called out by the president and his Homeland Security Secretary saying New York's not going to get it because they say they don't want it. There you go, New York. That's leadership. No, it's not. When we come back, your calls, one 408
0: 7669
1: Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian
0: Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom.
1: Breaking news, unique opinions, hear it all on the
8: Brian Kilmeade Show. What is your message to the people who apparently are tired of wearing the mask over their nose as well as their mouth? They think it's uncomfortable and annoying and it's just too much for them to handle,
9: so they're just not doing it. Thank you. Thank you. You know what's really uncomfortable and annoying? When you die. That's my answer.
2: All right. Good job, Governor Phil Murphy. He is so tough uh, cracking down on those health clubs and wearing a mask. So uh, everyone's wearing a mask, by the way. I don't know any people walking around without it. If they if they forget it, it is by is by mistake, Uh, especially in New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut area. I've been to out in California. Same thing. Everyone's wearing a mask. So we get it. Uh, Just like, uh, for example, you might forget to put your seatbelt on every once in a while. That'll happen. But for the most part, we got the message. I'm tired of seeing all these so-called experts telling us the same thing every day and acting like it's brand new. And then telling me I can't have thank- Thanksgiving and Christmas while listening to them and taking crap from them. Jerry, listen to WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Jerry.
10: Hey, Brian. It just blows my mind how you're just you're flabbergasted right now. When Dr. Fauci warned us in April and every single one of you Trump stooges made fun of them, every single one of you— Oh, you mean, wait, wait,
2: Dr. Fauci, because he said wear a mask in April, because in March he told us, don't wear a mask to give us a false sense of security. Dr. Fauci, who told John Casamitidis' podcast that this will not be a problem here. Dr. Fauci, who told us we had the test from the CDC to handle this coronavirus and then told us we could wear a mask, but it only stops and helps you if you're sick and from getting somebody else sick. It doesn't stop you from getting the virus. And now he says, oh, wear a mask. And now he says, of course you gotta wear a mask. Then he's praising everybody for being disciplined, more disciplined than he thought. And now he's saying for lockdown. Now he's saying don't lock down. Dr. Fauci is the most overhyped professional in the history of professional. That includes NFL experts and uh insecticide experts. He has he never says anything of interest. It. You are Name one of thing he says that, that has helped us. How many times are you going to I tell us to wash he, our he, hands?
10: He said wear a mask. He said wear a mask. Wait, what does he, he, he say first? Sir. Everybody's wearing a mask. The then what?
11: No, they're not. No,
10: they're oh, not. Oh,
2: they're wearing, wearing masks everywhere. everywhere.
11: I live in Florida. I live in Florida. I'm telling you, 50% of the people are in public Okay. Public okay. Public
2: so if we I'm not, I haven't been, been in Florida. But let's say that Florida is not wearing masks like they are in New York. How come the numbers are going up everywhere? The numbers are going up in Florida. What are you talking
10: about? The numbers it's, are going up everywhere.
2: Nobody was more oppressive than Michigan. Guess what? They're going up in Michigan higher than everything else. Wear a goddamn mask. Jesus. How so what? So you I wear a mask, did. then it's what? America. And then if, is, is, is everything going to go down if you wear a mask? Is everything going to go down if you wear a mask? You
12: know what, Brian? I just cannot believe. Yes or no? Yes or no? If people like
2: wear a mask, is, is this thing going to be under control?
12: He, he, he's quiet. He's oh, quiet
2: come on. Uh, Edward, listen on WCHB in Virginia. Edward,
11: hi Brian. September 2019, my wife and I traveled to Northern Italy. We'd never been there before. Family and friends reunion, and while we were there, we went to a lot of outdoor markets. Um, And I made the remark to my wife that there certainly were a lot of Asian people, you know, in Northern
13: Italy at these markets. Well, when I got home, I. I did a little research and uh, found out that there are 375,000 Chinese predominantly from Wuhan. Edward,
2: here's how right you are. There was a report that came out today that Italy had signs of the virus in September, which means China's still not telling us the truth. They told us they had it in December.
12: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: It is AOC who runs the floor. They cannot move legislation without her. It was also that new socialist wing of the Democratic Party who has controlled it. But it was also the mandate that America does not want to have socialism. It is the reason why not one Republican incumbent lost. It's a reason why we're going to have 40 new freshmen. It's the reason why the Democrats will have the smallest majority since World War II. I think it
2: might be World War One, Kevin McCarthy, and you got to feel good about that. Uh, they have... Eight net seats. It could probably be 13. Two from Southern Florida, two from California. They're picking up some in New York. Uh, and also the Dems failed to pick up in Texas, in Ohio and Florida, which they targeted. Uh, 26 of the Democratic seats were won, which is 52 percent of the vote. Man, they are ripe to be taken in 2022. Can that indeed happen? Charlie Hurt joins us at the Washington Times. Charlie, how come nobody saw this coming?
10: Uh, I think that uh, it's funny how much uh, how how much of the discord and disunion in the Democratic Party kind of got papered over these last four years entirely, I think, because the media was so obsessed with everything that President Trump did or said or Thought or anything they went nuts and and you know remember we you know we, we actually had all these giant uh, you know impeachment investigations that we followed for you know we followed every twist and turn and you don 't have a choice you have to far, f- follow it when when a guy's be, a president is being impeached by by the house you you don 't have a choice but to cover a lot of this stuff but but a lot of it, and obviously a lot of it was uh, also kind of fomented by the media as well, but all of that paper's over the fact, and we should have seen this. This civil war that's been going on inside the Democratic Party has been going on for a long time. It's just that nobody was paying attention to it. It's the damage that that happens when you have a media that is so has given up, you know, just becomes completely obsessed with, with uh, the white whale and the in the White House and and the, the you know at the detriment of everything else that needs to be covered in in political Washington.
2: You know, I'm amazed that I'm kind of heartened by the fact that. A lot of so-called moderate Democrats knew defunding the police, used by AOC constantly, applauded by Kamala Harris when they cut $150 million out of the LAPD budget, Uh, the whole decriminalizing border crosses and uh, all this free stuff was not popular with many Democrats. It made them very nervous, this this,
10: this, whole—as well as as the lockdowns. Yeah, but this is a mistake you make, And and I'm with you on this. I want to be heartened by this. I want to be heartened by the fact that they're Democrats that realize this, but they realized it before this election. And what did they say? What did they do? Nothing. And that's the thing, that's the problem here. And that's the problem with socialism and all of this free stuff, these free stuff campaigns that these people, that these people run. It's that if, if you know in your heart that it's wrong and you don't say anything when it matters, i.e. before the election, then what kind of a leader are you? Do you really want these people in charge? And that's the part that, that, that is so terrifying to me and so upsetting to me is that you know, as a, partisan, uh, as a partisan exercise, I love it that Nancy Pelosi has to deal with all this stuff. I just love that she has this problem on her hands. Because she's the coward who refuses to stand up to her party. you realize that you know, four, six, eight years ago, Nancy Pelosi, the reason Nancy Pelosi is speaker, and the reason she 's such a powerful speaker, is because she was in the far, far, far left wing of her party. Nobody could outmaneuver her to the left. She was from San Francisco, for goodness' sake. nobody could get to the left of her, and that and, 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 and in, in House leadership fights, that is a real. That's a, real, um, you know, that's a real benefit to, to know that you don't ever have yeah. to worry. If you're a Republican, you don't ever have to look to your right. If you're a Democrat, you never have to look to your left. She's now like a centrist in her party. And how did that happen? That happened because her party, her, so many members of her party ran off with the circus and ran off to the left, and she never stood up to them. She never showed an ounce of leadership. She never said, no, actually, free health care for illegal aliens is crazy. And it's not crazy because it's some right wing, you know, right wingers are going to not like it. It's crazy because the base of her party isn't going to like it. And, and there's, there isn't an ounce of leadership. You can say whatever you want to about Donald Trump and, and pick, pick things about things that you don't like about Donald Trump. But the guy's got a spine. He stands up to people. He stands up to people at his own party. And, and I think that's why so many people Myself, including, love the guy so much because it's just such a rarity in Washington that you have a guy that's not only willing to stand up for what he believes in and and the issues that he wants to fight for, but he's willing to stand up for, for it even against people in his own party.
2: So uh, there's a couple of things going on. It could be the slimmest majority since 1919 for Kevin McCarthy. And the word went out. The the leadership on the House is saying to the Biden administration, don't take any of our people because they're not convinced they can win a single race. They're, nothing's guaranteed. So I think it's interesting. Like you said, they should have stand up earlier. But I was at the border with uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas, and he knew this was an emergency. And it didn't look like that yeah. wall was going to be built. But he knew, he, he says, I want to do a deal with the president. I would love to be able to do it. I can't get, he can't get the attention of his own party. And in fact, uh, AOC tried to primary him and get rid of him because he wanted to do that. But uh, evidently, Trump made huge progress with the Hispanic community in the South Bronx, in Miami-Dade. He made it in the Rio Grande <laughs> Valley, Shilala places that were Democratic re-election. held.
10: What? Donna Shalala lost re-election. I mean, that's just astounding. Yeah, she
2: did. So in the big picture, the defund the police, the open borders of socialism, is not making anyone happy. Bill Maher even came out over the weekend and said the Democrats must figure out why so many voters will say to them, you're good enough, you're smart enough, but doggone it, we don't like you, making fun of Stuart Smalley on, on SNL. So let's bring us to the president. What do you think he should do next?
10: I think he should fight this. I think he should fight the election issues to the very end. And I think that, um, you know, uh, and I I, again, I think this is one of the things that that people like about him is that however hopeless something may may seem, he is willing to to stand there and gut it out and fight it out to the to the bitter end. And I think it's actually very healthy. I think that it's another, you know, the the issue of uh, people uh, of Democrats fighting to make elections more and more vulnerable to fraud is a real issue. That is not a made-up issue. Now, with, you know, Democrats and Republicans hide behind the fact that, that a lot of times it, that fraud isn't enough to change the outcome of an election, so they just say, ah, it doesn't matter. Typical Washington unprincipled response to an actual problem. Every single vote, illegal vote, fraudulent vote that is cast disenfranchises a legal voter it cancels out a legal voters vote and and that is wrong and republicans have have been losing this fight right more more losing than not but but generally they've been losing this fight for 40 years and and all democrats have to do is say you're racist and republicans Run for the hills, and I get it I, nobody wants to be called a racist, but Democrats are calling people a racist because they they want to have like they want to make people produce an a picture ID at a poll that's not racist that's logic that's sense gotcha. that, that's common sense and so you know what, Brian, Donald Trump fights this fight God love him. He fights these fights better than anybody, and he illuminates them better than anybody, and I think it's a very healthy thing. But what I, I would I want, wish-
2: Charlie, uh, I'd Charlie, just would like to see, brief the team security-wise, brief them on the coronavirus, just to get ready. There's nothing wrong with prepping them, nothing wrong with giving them an office in the, uh, the GSA. I, I just don't— oh, yeah. Because yeah, I if, if there's a hit in February and they're going to go, you know, I had no idea about this. We know that matters. Oh. <laughs>
10: Oh yeah, no, absolutely, no, no, and and I totally agree with that. There is, it, but but the, the flip side of this is, of course, it doesn't matter what President Trump does right now. The, the, every single death, go. This is like a pitcher coming in with the bases loaded. There is nothing. These the, Joe Biden will never stop blaming everything on President True. Trump. And, uh, and, and, I, and and by the way, I think long term, I think playing politics with the pandemic is a, uh, is a you know, maybe short term, there's some benefit to it. But I think long term, the damage that it does to the brand, and especially if we go forward and we have lockdowns and things like that, that will become increasingly right. wildly unpopular, um, it's, it's going to spell really bad news. <laughs> the the, right. the Democrats will pine for the days when they had the smallest majority since uh, 1919.
2: Ch- uh, with us right now is Charlie Heard, Washington Times, bestselling author. Uh, Charlie, uh, a lot of uh, people are saying Barack Obama, how did he get his life story down to just two volumes when we know that our life stories would be three <laughs> volumes? He literally has two volumes. He's only, like, was he 58 or 60?
10: Uh, he wrote two, bio, entire- written two bio's. I would read an entire encyclopedia set on Brian Kilmeade.
1: Thank you. Because I would just that's... like
10: start with in the A's and go through all the A's, and I would I wouldn't stop reading until uh, and then I, and when I got to the end, I would start back at the beginning and just start ah. reading the whole set over again.
2: He needs an editor, but uh, listen. Here is one question. Scott Pelley asked him a direct question. I could really appreciate. Listen to this. Cut five.
6: President-elect Biden won in this election more votes than anyone in history. And yet, the 2020 vote wasn't a repudiation of Donald Trump. It was more like an affirmation. He received 71 million votes, 8 million more than he did in 2016.
14: What does that tell you about our country today? Well, A, it tells us that we're very divided. And as I said, it's not just the politicians now. The voters are divided. It has now become a contest where issues, facts, policies, per se, don't matter as much as identity and wanting to uh, beat the other guy. So pretty direct question,
2: because I give him credit for saying that no one brings up that the president got 72 million votes.
10: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, And by the way. If, if these people are all Nazis, if we're all Nazis, yep. I mean, you, we have a real problem in our country. If we have 72 million Nazis or Nazi sympathizers or people who vote for a Nazi, we have a real problem. And if, if all these people are racist, this is, this is like we need to scrap the whole country and start over again if that's what – if that's really what's going on here. Of course, that's not what's going on here, and it's a massive lie. But, but I, I just think it's so interesting – um, uh, Barack Obama is not aging well. I mean, this the idea, it's all about identity. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The only people who make it about identity anymore are Democrat politicians. And nobody did it more than Barack Obama. And it's all about identity. The, the, the vast majority of America has learned, you know, they learned the lessons of Martin Luther King and they judge people by the content of the character, and not the color of their skin. And they right. are prepared to take all comers as they are. And and the the old, the last bastion of racial profiling out in the open is Washington and politics. And nobody practices that more in a more undiluted way today than the Democrat Party. And right. uh, President Obama mastered it. And it is it is destroying. Our country. It's destroying people. And, it, and, it, and it, it, it has to come to a stop. And for him to sit there and, and just sort of blithely mention, oh, we're divided by our identity. Yeah, because of you and because of politicians like you.
2: And what his comment was, we don't have time to play it now, when he came out and said a lot of people were uncomfortable with seeing a black person in the White House, that's how Donald Trump got elected. I'm saying, are you <laughs> kidding me? You had two overwhelming yeah. victories. And now you're still trying to call the country that put you in office racist because Donald Trump beat your handpicked terrible candidate, Hillary Clinton. And
10: and by the way, the the people that that, that didn't vote for Barack Obama, they didn't vote for him because of the color of his skin. They didn't vote for him because they didn't like his policies, because they listened to him and they rejected what he said, which is all we're asking for, which is all Martin Luther King wanted. And, and that's how it happened, and for him to then, uh, you know, dismiss it all. And, and here's the other thing, Brian. You know, the, the campaign that Barack Obama ran in 2008 was a unifying, hopeful campaign. If Barack Obama had, in 20, 2008, had run the campaign that Joe Biden ran this time, Barack Obama would have lost in a 70-point landslide. Yep. And I just think it's interesting that, that Joe Biden gets away with it and, and, and earns 75-whatever-million votes in this country uh, playing that sort of game. And, and, and yet Barack Obama never would have been allowed to do that.
2: It's in, unbelievable. You know, but yeah, By the way, he didn't campaign hard, never took any questions, still hasn't answered most of them, and I have no idea what his policies yeah. are, and he got elected. Uh, unbelievable. Only in this pandemic would this have worked. But uh, right. and but for many reasons. Number one, the economy would have been soaring, and number two is Joe Biden would have had the campaign. Thanks so much. And, and
10: I'm sorry. The, the mail-in voting. We will look back at this uh, in the history books, and the mail-in voting had a massive amount to do with this.
2: No question. Uh, Charlie Heard, Thanks so much. You bet, Brian. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back and get your calls. And we also want to talk about the most underreported thing that happened from this election. And that is the lack of blue wave and what took its place.
1: Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
9: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
1: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
2: Welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. I'm trying to get in as many calls as possible. Let's go out to Lake City, Florida. 97.3 Terry. Hey, Terry.
8: Hey, Brian. That guy from Jacksonville has me really ticked off and has me calling in. He just wanted to get his 30 seconds of fame trying to put you down, which is not what he should have done. He should have got his facts together before he wanted to challenge you. I think Florida is leading the way on how to open this country back up and the numbers show it if he would have actually looked at the website and saw how numbers and deaths are going down considerably. Also, when it comes to those tests and the positive tests that are coming out and they report, I can't trust those anymore because after all the uh, false positives and what happened to Elon Musk, I really can't trust those numbers anymore.
2: Yeah, he passed two tests and failed two tests. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Terry. Uh, What is going on in Florida? They're giving people a chance to act responsibly. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't go to the bar. But I'm not going to shut it down. They're going to have the certain spacing. They're going to have some rules, but they're not going to make your life miserable Get that. I like that type of leadership. Michael, listening on the app in Ohio. Hey, Michael.
1: Hey, how you doing? Brian. Good.
2: Go ahead, Michael. What's on your mind?
1: Okay. Uh, well, I was um, wanting to comment on that, that mask the mask wearing.
2: You said you were very uh, careful and you still got it?
1: Yes. Uh, we always wash your hands when we went to the gas, to
7: the gas station. I always use um, stuff to put on my hands to clean them. Before and after, and uh, we just, me and my wife, we just were very, very Still got
2: terrible. it. It's frustrating, Michael. I know you can do everything right. Well, look, uh, I never got it. I've been going to the city now for six straight months. I'm not perfect. Maybe I got lucky. I don't know. But I'm tired of people telling us we can't do things while mayors and governors are breaking the rules that they set for us, like Mayor Bowser in D.C. and Governor Newsom. They're going to parties and they're celebrating. Mayor Whitefoot, too. Biden wins. Let's go party. But I can't have Thanksgiving.
12: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
0: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
1: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669, the number to call to be on the show. We come to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, uh, where we got some great news. Moderna has just come through, and they got the second vaccine. The second vaccine. And guess what? Uh, sadly, located in New York, uh, thanks to the rivalry between Governor Cuomo and the president, New York's not getting it, so Governor Cuomo's going to sue. Isn't that great? Well, the little problem is the governor says he's going to wait for the next administration to come in, so therefore he eliminated himself. The, the, uh, the intramural play never ceases to amaze me. Uh, Michael Goodwin will be with us shortly. Bottom of the hour, Teresa Payton, chief information officer for the White House during the Bush years. She's all into uh, cybersecurity, and we want to find out about the security of these uh, voting machines. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Among 30,000 participants receiving the two-dose Moderna vaccine, there were a total of 95 cases of symptomatic COVID. All but five were in the placebo arm, meaning the vaccine was 94.5% effective. There were no reports of serious side effects.
2: How great is that? COVID-19 cases rising in 49 states. That's bad. Crackdowns beginning in places like Washington, Michigan, and Oregon. That's bad. So, it didn't stop the virus the first time, but let's destroy everyone's holiday and life this time. A key member of the Trump medical team echoes what I feel. And guess what? Blowback aplenty.
5: Number two. The only mandate that the American public said is they're against socialism. They're against defunding the off the police. And the one thing they really don't want to see is that Nancy Pelosi or the Democrats continue to lead. They didn't win any seats going forward. Republicans won throughout this nation. The most
2: underappreciated news to come out of this election is how well Republicans did, especially in the House. Kevin McCarthy will now be in the minority, but with the slimmest... Uh, minority in the hit, since in American history since 1919, and they are one seat away from getting the Senate, and two Georgia seats are January 5th.
4: Number one.
6: Starting in August, both candidates have been receiving all these briefings. Joe Biden shut off after the election. And if you take politics out of this, national security. Trump said we should make sure, just like during September, we're also still in November, still preparing both of them to, to be prepared for national security issues.
2: Uh, There you go. Uh, What's wrong with that? Uh, We are talking about transition and examination of the election. Can both take place at the same time? I hope so, because there's too much at stake between the coronavirus and our own national security and economic needs. Uh, The push for cooperation between Biden and Trump teams continuing while the president can still move forward. Uh, Michael Goodwin joins us now for The New York Post, Fox News contributor. Uh, You can follow him at M. Goodwin underscore NY Post. Michael, you spoke to the president. How's his mindset?
11: Well, Brian, that's why I called him on uh, Friday, and uh, I uh, I found him to be not angry. I found him to be kind of matter-of-fact about the situation. Uh, I asked him several times in several different uh, work formations uh, about uh, the end result, the end game, and he didn't say anything def- definitive, but I had a, a very clear impression that uh, he will – he will concede this race at some point if his court challenges fail. Uh, he, you know, he's obviously reluctant to use that. I don't know whether you noticed that uh, on Friday afternoon in his update on the uh, warp speed in the Rose Garden, uh, he almost inadvertently referred to the Biden administration. Uh, he didn't, he didn't echo that uh, when we spoke, but he did say that, uh Um, he still believes, obviously, that uh, the election was stolen from him, that the voting machines were rigged, et cetera. Um, And so I asked, could he at some point come to terms with this? Could he accept this if if everything ends as it is? And he wouldn't say so directly, but I, I think that Uh, There is there is at least my conviction after talking to him and talking to others that they are determined to play out the the challenges, uh, but they are not in any way deluding themselves about the inevitable. Yeah. Uh, And so I think at some point, yes, the president, I don't think he'll give up uh, his view that that uh, he legitimately illegitimately lost the election. But I think he will acknowledge that Biden uh, has more votes and has the Electoral College and that that's that's the final result. And he won't like it, but he will effectively accept it.
2: Right. And he's going to immediately announce he's going to run again in 2024. Uh, He has said, you know, uh, Biden won because the election was rigged. He quickly went back. Uh, I just saw about an hour ago. He said I won the election. So uh, my thing is just cooperate on the national security front, cooperate on the coronavirus front, just coordinate and cooperate. And we've always said this, don't put your chin out every time for your critics to take an easy shot. Uh, believe me, they're going to start realizing what he did and what he did for the party very soon. Yeah, there are things that he should have done better, could have done with personnel, less firings, more research, better background checks, if we how to get the team around him that he has kind of right now. Yeah. Could I have done without the the, the Pentagon firing? Sure. But overall, what he's done to the Middle East Uh, What he's done with the economy, uh, what he's done with Warp Speed, uh, what he did to rally back after getting the coronavirus is a great example for Americans. You can overcome it. You could go do it. And he put together those rallies. And I was talking to those election experts. He closed like no one's ever seen before. He almost took this election, if in fact it turns out he didn't win it, in the last week on Pure Hustle.
8: Right.
11: Right, uh, I mean, you know, he, if he gets somewhere in the order of seventy-four million votes, I mean, that would have been a landslide election in any other year in American history. I mean, he is—he's gone up probably eleven million votes from from four years ago. That's an extraordinary uh, change for somebody who supposedly uh, is a mar- was a marginal president. Uh, this this was an amazing thing, and you know, Brian. I would say, too, that his, his economic populism uh, combined with a nationalistic you know, first America first, I think was a real lesson. He proved something was possible that other people didn't think was possible. I mean, the growth in the economy you know the the historically low unemployment for many population groups in America the booming manufacturing that happened throughout the country to take the uh, all all despite not just the american media the democratic party but also china so he he threaded a lot of needles that people thought couldn't be done and so As I say in my column, you know, whatever happens to him, whatever he decides next, Trumpism lives because and for that reason alone, his was a hugely consequential presidency that made life better for millions and millions of Americans. So in some sense, I think, as the president comes to terms with this election, he should take yes for an answer on many issues I mean he changed the way people are going to think now and he set a new standard so his uh, Trumpism is is alive Obamaism is dead Clintonism is dead Bushism is dead nobody talks about those theories and those governmental ideas anymore they're all dead only Trumpism is alive and we we'll, we will see assuming Biden becomes president, what he can do. But he does not start off with a strong hand. We don't know. He says he has a mandate. I don't know what for. Uh, and and so I think Trumpism is still the dominant political idea in America today.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think it is. And I don't think, uh, I think Republicans know it. And that's why they've stayed kind of silent through this. Now, on the, on the challenging front, uh, I'm looking at, Pennsylvania, they dialed back that lawsuit to the point where their big, their big contention would not produce a win there. They're asking for a Georgia recount. It's coming out. Half the counties have counted already. is coming out the exact same way. The only thing that could really do substantial damage is to find some problem with Dominion. And it's got to be a legitimate problem, obviously. Sydney Powell is on the record pushing this. She's saying this is where it's all about. And she has a few different issues. Here she is. Cut 14.
4: First of all, I never say anything I can't prove. Uh, Secondly, the evidence is coming in so fast, I can't even process it all. Millions of Americans have written, I would say, by now. Uh, Definitely hundreds of thousands have stepped forward with their different experiences of voter fraud. But this is a massive election fraud, and I'm very concerned it involved not only Uh, Dominion and its Smartmatic uh, software, but that the software essentially was used by other election machines also. And it's
2: mostly in in 27 states, rejected by Texas, and we see that there was, um, and I see that four Democratic senators actually in the spring of 2019 came out and said, why are we using some of these systems that are cruelly flawed? It would make our system vulnerable. One was Peters in Michigan, and one was Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. So this has been pointed out as an issue before, but the question is, what is the problem, and how can you prove it?
11: Yeah, I think I think that is the central problem, Brian. Um, you know, Rudy Giuliani is making these extensive claims that enough to overturn the election. Uh, look, if you have that evidence, you've got to start showing it soon. Put it in your lawsuits. I don't understand. To me, it's a disconnect between the. the the sense that they're holding on to things, they have things that will overturn the election, but what they produce is far short of that. And so I I don't know, I don't understand the public relations aspect of this uh, vis-a-vis the legal aspect because they seem far apart. And so I think that the clock is ticking and every time they say they have this information that will overturn the election and, it doesn't appear in the day or two days following, it seems to me more air comes out of the balloon and the credibility is being squandered. If you have it, show it, because I think the country is running out of patience, and I think the courts, too, will not be uh, likely to pursue things that are not on on their face provable and significant. Now, I, I have I have never believed that there isn't fraud. I live in I live in New York City. Of course, there's fraud. We all know it. The question is, can you prove it, and is it big enough to overturn the margins? Now, there's interesting charges in some case. For example, the idea that. Uh, in Pennsylvania, for example, different counties followed different guidance uh, from the state on curing ballots. And so that Democratic uh, counties, leaning Philadelphia, Pittsburgh particularly, w- were able to call people in advance of Election Day who adverted early and say, you have to come and fix your, your ballot. There's something wrong with it, a signature on the envelope, or you forgot to include something like that. But apparently Republican-leaning districts did not get that guidance or did not follow it. Now, if you go back to Bush v. Gore in 2000, that was the big issue that enabled George Bush to stop the recounting in Florida because the Supreme Court ruled that you couldn't have different rules for different counties – And so that's what stopped the recount that Al Gore wanted just in Democratic counties at the time. So that is a it's a it's an equal rights claim. And if the president has that in Pennsylvania, as they say they do, I'm not sure why we haven't. And maybe maybe I missed it, but I have not seen that in the actual legal papers. So there's a lot of talk. But I think it's time to put up.
2: Uh, No, I agree. I think the country gets a little stressed. Uh, And I know it. And I was very, I thought it was fantastic. I felt good for the president that everybody showed up, tens of thousands, over 100,000, even though I'm watching CNN said it was 10,000 people showed up. Are you kidding me? There was tens of thousands of people, maybe over 100, showed up. Uh, in Washington, to say I voted for this guy, it's not a mistake. The fact that he got 8 million more showed that 2016 was no fluke. And they spent all this time saying the Russians got him elected. America saw 92 to 98% of negative coverage on him, all the controversy, all the hit books, and they still, 8 million more, supported him. So I said, uh, in a way, the president, you validated 2016 win by losing in 2020. And it's, I just think a that. Way to
10: put it. Yes. Yeah, yes. and
2: I I just think that you know, uh, number one, I think he appreciates hearing from you because you don't get up every day and write what a great president he is. You make him earn it every every column, and you're, you don't, you don't sit there and say everything he does is wrong either. So that's why I think that he takes your calls and likes hearing from you, Michael. Plus, he read you for years.
3: Final thought. Well,
11: look, I I I, I am happy to hear you say that, Brian, because I I do not. Um, routinely just praise any president. I don't think that's the role of journalism. I think we have to hold them all accountable and and make them, as you say, earn, earn not just their praise, but their trust and the public's trust, because I think that the extent that there is still a functioning media, that is the role for it, is to be their intermediary between the, the government, which we can talk to gotcha. directly, and the people who, who read and, and trust that we are... We, Somewhat trusted by both sides, yeah. and I think that's what the media used to be. That's what happened, and we've witnessed the collapse before our own eyes. I mean, these last four years, there's never been anything like it in in memory that that the media just forfeited its public trust, and so that is a lasting damage to our society. Uh, and, and President Trump. Bore, you know he he suffered the most from that, and and Joe Biden you know benefited the most from that, and we will see if the Biden presidency gets challenged uh, in the same way by that media that the Trump presidency was. I mean we know it won't be; they protected to get him elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think he's going to have to prove it because they, they can lie for him all they want. Uh, just gotcha. like with Trump, the, the media beat him up, but the American people knew those jobs were being created. They knew peace was being created in the Middle East, despite what the media said, you know, and Let's so Biden's going to face this gotcha. similar test.
2: Michael, thanks so much. I appreciate it, especially you just lost your power a short time ago and you still came on. I appreciate it. Your call's next.
1: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time
12: Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy,
7: he'll make your
1: head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: On indoor dining, uh, they're at 25%. They were supposed to go to 50%. I stopped that. Uh, and I just closed them at 10 p.m. And if the numbers continue to go up, we're going to clamp down even more.
2: Really? What an authoritarian, authoritarian, what a dictator, dictator is New York. It's all about delivery. We're not in it together. He's telling everybody what to do, where he's been seen without a mask. He's shutting down these businesses. He doesn't walk and meet anybody, he doesn't talk to them about what that means, he doesn't talk to them about things they've already done. Greg, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Greg.
6: Hey, Brian. Uh, Thank you, by the way. I think your show is fantastic. Thank you. Um, A
13: couple of things I wanted to say. The first is that whenever somebody like Governor Cuomo speaks and and speaks about the 50% that don't agree with taking the vaccine is that we somehow don't support the vaccine because it's a president trump vaccine first i support president trump but secondly i don't support vaccines of any kind not just this vaccine and if it has such a low success rate compared to the recovery rate of the virus
1: itself why would i want to take that
2: i'm not going to get into vaccine vaccines and no vaccines i'm not going to tell you what to do but I do believe that the testing procedure and all through this, the, the, the strenuous test of the polio vaccine, and everything else we're used to taking. And I would be pretty secure in taking it myself. And I'm not going to tell you what to do
12: from the Fox News Podcasts Network.
4: My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're
12: welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: Well, he is listed as its former Admiral Peter Neffinger, or retired Admiral Peter Neffinger, He is president and on the board of directors of Smartmatic, and it just so happens he's on uh, Mr. Biden's presidential transition team that's going to be non-existent because we're fixing to overturn the results of the election in multiple states, and President Trump won by not just hundreds of thousands of votes, but by millions of votes that were shifted by this software that was designed expressly for that purpose.
2: And that is Sidney Powell, an outstanding attorney. You've done a lot of work lately with Michael Flynn. And she is firmly in the belief that the answer to this, why this upset happened and why Joe Biden won, is in the Dominion software, which is uh, very prevalent around the world and very prevalent, I think, in 27 states here. Teresa Payton joins us, chief information officer for the White House during the Bush years, uh, where she oversaw its operations for the president and his staff, founder and CEO of Fort Lease uh, Solutions. Uh, Teresa, you have an expertise in this area. Do you have any questions or do you have any overall doubts about this system, the the Dominion system?
15: Well, I I think what's going to be in Dominion's best interest here is, yeah, I mean, there are some unanswered questions. Uh, Unanswered questions doesn't always mean, you know, kind of wrongdoing or widespread glitches. But it would be in their best interest to talk about the glitches that have come to light how they investigated those, and then what they're doing to reverse engineer the other states, especially the battleground states where things are so close, uh, to say, here's how we reverse engineered, here's how we looked at what happened in each one of those, and we do or do not see additional indications of problems. To me, transparency is going to be key for people to be able to accept the results.
2: I can think it was 2019, Amy Klobuchar, Senator Peters, and two other Democratic uh, lawmakers, uh, uh, Senator Warner, said they had problems with this system. They said they can't believe they signed up to do the system again when there were so many flaws in the system. Obviously not forecasting that this would be a problem in the, in the race, but it is a problem with uh, a lot of people because they point out to, in some districts, in, or one in particular in Michigan, there was a very Republican stronghold that a Democrat won by 2,500 votes. They went back and looked at it, and the scanner was off and they fixed it, and they said, okay, we solved the problem. What is the problem? Would that bother you if you're the president, if you knew that?
15: It would. And this is where kind of the the days and weeks to follow the official election day are going to be so important. These audits, post-election audits, really matter. And this is where each board of elections that's using this equipment, but even the ones that are not using this equipment, uh, whether it relates to uh, you know, mail-in ballots, paper ballots, and other types of equipment, they have to do the audit to say, yep, every vote that came in uh, that was counted was counted appropriately, and the vote was a legitimate vote. And that transparency allowing both Uh, parties, and even the independents, uh, to have people who can look at the results, can look at the audits, is really important. Again, it's, it's one of those things, transparency in the governance process and in the audit process should be everybody's friend. And it's the best way to protect democracy and people's belief system in the election.
2: Ideally, it would have been better to get this out before, wouldn't it?
15: I mean, it would be really wonderful. And this is where, you know, I was saying, and Brian, you and I even talked about this months ago when we were talking about my new book, Manipulated. And I said, you know, with the pandemic, it's going to be unprecedented levels of voting, both in person and absentee. And people should be practicing for digital disasters and paper disasters in the processes to happen. How would they handle it? And how would they report in a transparent and easy to understand way? back to voting citizens. And so here's an example of where they've got to be transparent. They have to explain the process. Let us see the process. You know, I I still, even though it was a long time ago, I still remember, uh, you know, seeing the video of, you know, kind of the Gore-Bush election and people looking at the dangling chads and looking at the recount. And that transparency is critical here.
2: Yeah, it would help. Uh, Here's a little bit more from... Uh, what Sidney Powell was saying, this gets a little out there, but cut 15.
4: Well, the CIA and the FBI and other government organizations have received multiple reports of wrongdoing and failures and vulnerabilities in this company's product. Their own manual, if you sat down and read it, would explain how and why no honest person would use this system And it's not just Dominion. There are other companies in the voting machine business in this country, too, that may very well and are likely using the same software. We've detected voting irregularities that are inexplicable and align with these problems in other states that think they have valid systems.
2: So just on this, if they asked you, hey, Teresa Payton, help us out. This is the area of expertise we only have so much time. November 20th, they start certifying these states. What do we look for?
15: Well, I mean, I think a couple of things. I mean, you know, for for starters, I I know that Dominion has uh, set up a website where they are trying to communicate with people. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're looking at this. uh, And really trying to speak to the issues they did encounter during the elections and, and what they're doing. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Georgia has already said they're going to hand count ballots because of how close everything was as part of their auditing process. And so there's kind of two parts here, right? So one is Dominion. I would say to Dominion, hey, show everybody how the programs work. Show everybody the fact that there's you know, kind of a paper ballot. There's a way to audit. Make sure everybody understands that. Be very public about that. Then for each secretary of state, for the board of elections officials, I would say be very transparent. Here's how the audit process is working. Here's how we're inviting uh, the different candidates on both sides of the aisle to see where the races are close so that they're informed uh, and basically shining a light on both kind of the software glitches and how they went about making sure those software glitches were not present in the other elections. You know, Instead of waiting for kind of that pop-up of somebody to say, oops, I think we had a problem, actually saying, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and as a matter of course to sort of settle it, we're going to reach out to the other states that haven't reported a problem and just say, you need to look for these things. Let's make sure, let's get ahead of this uh, as states are trying to do the final certifications of their votes.
2: I want to bring you to another thing that they were looking at last night in 60 minutes with TikTok. If uh, I got the interest of my 17-year-old uh, in the news, it is about this. What's happened with TikTok? And here's a little of what, the, uh, what they were talking about with TikTok, how they are for gener- Generation Z or Gen Z. They're collecting a whole bunch of data as they do their goofy one-minute videos about them. And they also brought up the fact that Equifax actually was hacked into by some Chinese firm to get our credit history. People are thinking, what are they up to? Here's a little from last night's 60 Minutes. This is Khan Kitchen from the Heritage Foundation, Cut36.
9: They're not providing a platform for music videos out of the goodness of their heart, right? They're making money by providing really deep insights into their user base. What makes TikTok particularly concerning is its relationship with the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing, the government of China. The Chinese have fused their government and their industry together so that they cooperate to achieve the ends of the state. And TikTok is a factor in that? Yeah, so But when you look at it, it just seems... Dance videos. ...fun and innocuous. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning and you saw a news report that China had distributed 100 million sensors around the United States, and that any time an American walked past one of these sensors, this sensor automatically collected off of your phone your name, your home address, your personal network, who you're friends with, your online viewing habits, and a whole host of other pieces of information. Well, that's precisely what TikTok is. It has 100 million U.S. users. It collects all of that information.
2: Kind of scary stuff. I never thought of it like that, and certainly a bunch of teenagers don't think of it like that.
15: No, they don't. And what's interesting is, in some regards, TikTok collects uh Often the same information that Facebook uh, and uh, Instagram and YouTube and Twitter are collecting on each and every one of us, but those are U.S. headquartered companies, and, and TikTok has a U.S. operation, uh, but its original, you know, kind of headquarters company is ByteDance. The other thing to be thinking about with TikTok is. It's establishing new patterns of behavior, sort of patterns of life. Uh, and as people make videos of themselves, we don't know where artificial intelligence, facial recognition technology is going to go in the future and how that could be used as authentication, right? So, for example, some credit card and banking companies say, you know, show me your face and then I'll let you make payments. And so, um apps like this that are collecting our information using artificial intelligence, uh, getting us to engage with the platform on a fairly regular basis are getting not only our patterns of life, but if we're actually producing content, it's also getting our facial recognition and our voice recognition. And it's being collected. uh, And potentially, we don't know what the future use of that information is going to be. Um, TikTok, for the record, has said that they've do not, and they will not give information over to the Chinese government. The question is, from a transparency standpoint, where does the data travel and where does the data reside? And that's one of the things that the Trump administration, in doing the ban, said had to be worked out and that CFIUS had to be comfortable with. Where are those videos? Where is that information, the user information being stored? And where does it traverse? As it's going around the globe, you know, the World Wide Web, does it end up traversing on servers that happen to be in China?
2: Absolutely. And that they, it's got to be banned. It seems like we dropped the ball on this. I don't know where it stands, but it's got to be banned. There's a backdoor in layman's terms, and they have it. And they're not out there to entertain us. The other thing is. Uh, to keep in mind, they already have their facial recognition in China. They're already scoring people on their allegiance to their government. Why are we so arrogant to think that this is not going to be used against us when all they're trying to do is throttle us economically and get and make us capitulate militarily? It makes no sense not to understand that. Final thought, Teresa?
15: Yeah, I we absolutely did uh, drop the ball on this, and uh, it's a shame because I believe the— conversations that were happening with Oracle, with Walmart, um, even Microsoft, they were looking for a path to allow the platform to operate in a way that was safer for Americans.
2: Thanks so much, Teresa. I appreciate it. And uh, Thanks.
15: It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, if
2: you see anything that's popping up in the cyber world that you think could uh, we could de- uh, disseminate for our audience, please let me know. Absolutely. You got it, Brian. Uh, Teresa Baton, thank you. When we come back, I open up the phones from Springfield, Missouri, uh, to New York right here in Florida, uh, to Houston, Texas. We'll be going to all those places when we return in The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade from the fox news Podcasts
12: network download and listen to the one with craig gutfeld the co-host of the five like you've never heard him before you know him you love him you want to be like him subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com
1: from his mouth to to your your ears it's brian kilmeade
7: let's welcome
1: tonight's guest he's got an impish grin and loves his gin fox and friends co-host and host of the brian kilmeade show Ugh. on fox news radio brian kilmeade you used to like when you have a book out you love the show oh shut up he's taken a beating for what he did in a meeting jeffrey Tubin has been fired from the new yorker magazine following an investigation into his behavior during a work zoom call if you remember when the call was about election simulation, he was engaged in some erectile <laughs> stimulation. So the question is, will Tubin be fired from CNN too, or would that be really giving him the shaft? Brian. Okay, so here's the issue: is like, how do you talk to your friends and family knowing that they picture you in this situation? You must have this a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think I read the rules of your show. Yes. I can pass on one question. Yes. Yes. I uh, pass. Yeah. pass. I pass. I pass. I don't even Zoom. All right? I don't know what you heard. So that was an interesting show.
6: I was wondering, like, what, like, does our show have that rule? You ask a guest a question. I pass.
2: Right. No, I made that up. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> back to floor. password. But, I mean, I looked at that. And I said, does he know what channel he's on? I mean, the, the, we are not interested. Jeff, what Jeffrey Tubin does, that's for CNN. That's not for us.
6: I know. I will say he was quite witty with his entire write-up and the lead into it, though.
2: Yes, very. He's, uh, and his monologue was really good. Yeah. Uh, it was excellent. Um, it was fun to do that show. And then I was on Jim Gray last night, too. There was a lot of me on for somebody that really wasn't on, that taped everything earlier. You still had the a weekend off. For guy that was off, off,
6: I was on. But the best part is you got to watch yourself all night last night.
2: Right. But uh, I actually was more, more interested in the Jim Gray stuff because I want to see how they put it together. He has so much video of the bite fight, of the Pete Rose interview, of the Kobe Bryant interview, of, um, you know, he has um, so many uh, sit-downs with uh, when Tyson got out of prison. He has that ready to go. He has Tiger Woods at 10 years old. I'm very curious. you got to go to the Fox Nation version of this, because that goes on for, like, two hours, and we had a long discussion out in Culver City about everything he's done in his career, and if you like sports, but only the big interest in sports, like the bigger sports uh, or big moments in sports, I think you'll uh, you'll really like it. Plus, not everything was great. He interviews Kobe Bryant, Jim Gray. Kobe Bryant calls him up, and he wants to blow up the Lakers. He says, I've had it with Shaquille O'Neal. I've had it with Phil Jackson. I'm going to blow it up. So he sits down does the interview with Kobe Bryant. And then nobody in the Lakers talks to him. They're mad at Jim Gray to the point where Phil Jackson goes to do his pregame interview. He said, get up. I will not do an interview with you. So here he is, the best, maybe top five sportscaster in the country, still treated like you don't exist. And Bill Walton was doing color at the time. And Bill Walton is best friends with Jim Gray. And he says one of the biggest regrets of his life that he didn't punch Phil Jackson. Because what is Phil Jackson mad at Jim Gray for? He got called by Kobe Bryant to do an interview about how unhappy he is with the Lakers. There's nobody that would not have done that interview.
4: And they weren't mad at Kobe at all?
2: No. Well, they were mad at Kobe, but Kobe didn't care. Yeah,
4: he
6: had the power. I mean, talk about shooting the messenger. Yeah. And he's
2: like, listen, does Shaq want to talk? No. No one's talking to him. So, interesting. Uh, Dan, listen on the app in Springfield, Missouri. Hey, Dan.
8: Hey, Brian, thanks for taking the call. And
13: I uh, just wanted to say uh, I've never held on uh, been on hold this long and hope I won the tickets.
8: But uh, my actual question is, uh, you know, we've seen all of these Trump rallies
13: with uh, with the numbers that he outnumbers uh, Joe Biden five thousand to one and and to say that uh, all those people didn't vote for the for uh, the president or uh, we're supposed to buy into the fact that uh, that Sleepy Joe was able to get more votes than Barack Obama. Uh, I, I have a hard time believing that. wanted to know your opinion of that. Well,
2: number one, and, uh, I, listen, I, I'm not going to say, well, I think this, I think that. It doesn't matter what I think. I know that these mail-in ballots, the only battleground state that was controversial on the unsolicited mail-in ballot, that's what I really have a problem with, that if you're sitting at home, Jeff, and all of a sudden, uh, Dan, excuse me, you get a ballot and you say, well, I wanted to show up. I'm fine with it. What do you mean I got a ballot at home? That's only Nevada is the only one. But there was just way too many ballots. They came in. I'd like to know how many were just in clicked for Biden, because if Republicans did bad all around, then you'd go, what's going on? But the Republicans did so well. I think Democrats were stunned. But everyone also looks at Joe Biden, the worst candidate, clearly lost his fastball, who didn't work for it. We still don't know any of his policies. And he got 78 million votes. There's a lot of legitimate questions, but you can't ask us to figure it out. I mean, he's got the legal team. He's got the millions of dollars. He's got to go into those battleground states and figure out what happened. Hey, go to BrianKillMeChow.com. You can listen to the show anywhere. Also, go get the podcast. You get it on Spotify, get it on iTunes, get it on iHeart. Uh, you can't go wrong. This way, you could decide when you listen if you have to leave our family of affiliates, which I hope you're a part of
12: living the bream is a podcast hosted by fox news channels shannon bream sharing inspirational stories personal anecdotes and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com america's listening to fox news
1: from the fox news radio studios in new york city giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach it's brian kilmeade
2: Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Coming to you from New York City, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas will be with us shortly. Uh, Mick Mulvaney at the bottom of the hour, former acting chief of staff and uh, OMB director. If anyone knows the president, it is Mick Mulvaney as well as his mindset. Uh, Having this election been uh, almost two full weeks uh, from when it took place, and the president is uh, pushing hard to find out exactly what happened and how he got 72 million votes and lost. That's the second most in the history. The bad news is Biden seems to have gotten more as they try to push to get answers. The president just tweeted the radical left Democrats working with their partner, the fake news media, are trying to steal this election. We won't let them. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with
3: the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Among 30,000 participants receiving the two-dose Moderna vaccine, there were a total of 95 cases of symptomatic COVID. All but five were in the placebo arm, meaning the vaccine was 94.5% effective. There were no reports of serious side effects.
2: Pretty good news, right? Dr. John LaPook going over the big news from Moderna. We have a second Vaccine, A second vaccine in a week. Isn't that timing curious? While well, 49 states uh, are uh, experiencing increases, individual lockdowns happening in places like Michigan and Washington, big surprise. Are we going to lockdown again? Will this country accept it? I say no and no.
5: Number two. The only mandate that the American public said is they're against socialism, they're against defunding the off the police. And the one thing they really don't want to see is that Nancy Pelosi, or the Democrats, continue to lead. They didn't win any seats going forward. Republicans won throughout this nation.
2: Has the GOP success been overlooked in the House, to the state houses? Uh, has it looked at the governor's mansions? They've had unbelievable and stunning success. Has America sent a message the media is once again ignoring? I say they are, but we will not. Plus, we're also going to look at the two Georgia Senate races uh, seats, and that, that battle is heating up.
4: Number one.
6: Starting in August, both candidates have been receiving all these briefings. Joe Biden shut off after the election. And if you take politics out of this, national security Trump said We should make sure, just like during September, we're also still, in November, still preparing both of them uh, to be prepared for national security issues.
2: Senator Langford, uh, transition and examination on the election can both take place at the same time. We'll update you on the Trump challenges to the results of the 2020 election and the push for cooperation between Biden Biden and the Trump teams. I hope they do. Between the coronavirus and between national security and the economy, I would love some communication between them. It doesn't mean the president's giving up on anything. It's just a good way for the staffs to interact. How could that hurt? Uh, Joining us now, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Uh, Governor, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
13: Absolutely, Brian. Good to be with you.
2: Well, uh, first off, always appreciate being on your affiliate KSEV over in Houston, but I just would like to ask you Uh, When you look at the Trump challenges, it looks like the Pennsylvania one, uh, the observation, has been pulled back. They look like they're focusing on the mail-in ballots that came out on Election Day or after. That's not going to amount to enough. The recount in Georgia is not going to amount to enough. It's basically going on point. In Arizona, they've given up the fight. Do you believe the fight remaining is with the Dominion software?
13: Well, I know that one of my senators, Senator Brian Hughes, is in Pennsylvania going to court this week. Uh, he's there, so I, I don't know the stories about the fight has ended. Maybe some cases it had, but one of our senators was, had been called up by the Trump team to come and uh, you know and work in the courts. So I don't know day-to-day every case that they're handling, uh, Brian. I do know this, that uh, the, the recount is only important if we recount the mail-in ballots. The machines outside of Dominion, and I'll get to that in a moment, uh, the machines should be close to being correct. Uh, but it's the mail-in ballots, the millions that came in, where no one was allowed to watch uh, the Democrat strongholds of Atlanta and Detroit and Milwaukee and uh, Philadelphia count the ballots. And and Brian, so much of this skepticism about the outcome is something they brought on themselves. I mean, the Democrats brought this on themselves by basically counting the votes in the dark, you know, putting poster boards on windows. So when you act suspicious, you're gonna draw suspicion. So in terms of the, if they're not going to verify with a Republican Democrat sitting next to each other, looking at every mail-in ballot and looking at the signature, was it filled out right? Are there two, you know, is there two different handwritings on the card, et cetera. If they're not going to do that, I don't expect the machines to show much of a change. Now let's get to Dominion. Dominion is a, is a software system that we rejected twice last year. And while they were here in Texas, and I say we, the state of Texas hired experts, both, both in a, uh, electronic data uh, collection systems and in election law. And our experts, they all determine the following. They are open to fraud and manipulation. They are fragile and error prone. One of our experts hooked his cell phone up to a USB port and was able to download everything on the machine. Uh, and at the end of the day, Texas said, we're not going to do this. But these are the machines used in 65 out of 83 counties in michigan every county in georgia and in maricopa county where trump is only 10,000 votes behind in that statewide voting in maricopa is the biggest county so now it goes to dominion and brian i view experts did the right thing in texas we turned them down three times twice last year that no one should have bought these machines and if they did buy the machines on what basis did they buy them because our experts said there was no way that they're reliable Votes were not counted. Votes could be changed, et
2: cetera, et cetera. So what's interesting is I found this story about Dominion. uh, It's March 2019, and a letter was sent from Amy Klobuchar, Senator Mark Warner, Jack Reed, and Gary Peters. Four senators called for the largest U.S. voting machine makers to explain why they continue to sell devices with known vulnerabilities ahead of the upcoming election. The letter sent Wednesday calls on the election equipment makers ES. Uh, N S, Dominican voting and Heart InterCivic, to explain why they continue to sell decades-old machines, which the senators say contain security flaws that could undermine the results of election if exploited. They went on to say that more than ninety percent of the U.S. election equipment market share, but their voting machines lack paper ballots or auditability, making it impossible to know if a vote was accurately counted in the event of a bug. Regardless of what you think about the systems, It was enough to alert four Democrat senators that they were worried about it. Well, it looks like the lieutenant governor's. I'm here. I'm here, Brian. Okay.
13: I lost you for a second. I'm still here.
2: All right. So just you had four uh, Democratic senators who were worried about it. Is that the reason you guys didn't cut the deal? What deal did you cut?
13: No, we didn't cut a deal. We didn't take the machines. We turned them down. And when they were here presenting last, I believe it was last October and November, maybe a little earlier than that last year. But when they were presenting to our our team, and you know, when you're a state like Texas, you know you're dealing in a, a multi-million dollar contract. Anything you do in Texas, were so big. And so they sent in their reps, they sent in their their techs to put on a show, a dog and pony show, to show us how great they were. And during the demonstration, at one point, one of the one of the software systems broke down. They couldn't fix it. In another case, it took them hours to fix it. It's a 412 page manual with about 500 steps to set up a machine, Brian. And voters have to understand that they're nothing more than a computer. And one of the concerns, and and everyone knows being on their own personal computer, um, how there are many ways to manipulate what you see, uh, what happens. You go and look for something, all of a sudden everything pops up. There are so many ways, Brian that anyone could get into a computer and manipulate it. And that's what our experts said could happen. And that's why we didn't buy them. And that's why we don't use them. To my knowledge, is there some small county somewhere in Texas that did it on their own? But to my knowledge, we don't have them anywhere and the state did not buy them. And and Brian, you know, another, another angle on this I haven't heard anyone talk about. You know, we've had this now happen in the 2000, 2008 election, you know, close counts, 2004 election, excuse me. And The last election, this election, I think we need to move National Election Day. I'll make a little news for you here up to the first Tuesday after the first Monday in October, because right now, anytime we have questions about national elections, we have this this rush to, well, we don't have any time. We have to canvas the votes. We got a swearing in ceremony. We need more time to be sure that our elections are fair. And the only reason we have a November, Brian, is you go back, you know, 100 years or so. And, you know, an agrarian society didn't want to vote until after the harvest, but they wanted to vote before the winter came, and November was selected. There's no reason we can't move this up 30 days, so instead of everyone rushing to judgment against or for, we would actually have time to look at a ballot complaint. Brian, we've received thousands of complaints at the RNC and the Trump campaign, hundreds of affidavits. As you know, I put up $1 million as a reward for any of these uh, uh affidavits or any of these complaints that lead to an arrest and conviction, just like the Crime Stoppers program. I hope I get the money away. And at the end of the day, Brian, this is really not about Trump and Biden anymore. I mean, it is. Obviously, I want Trump to win, but it's about having confidence in our election system. If our voters and, and, and the American people can't believe that election is honest, then that's the underpinning of our democracy. And if it turns out, after we do everything right and throw out all the illegal votes and count the legal ones and Biden wins, then so be it and we move on. But to finish this out with mainstream media saying election fraud doesn't exist, which we all know it does, the Democrats know it does, particularly mail-in balloting, and and having the votes counted in the dark in these major cities where they – in every race, Trump was ahead, they came from behind, and they won by just enough. Um, it's going to lead to suspicion for four years, and I don't want to see that. That's why we need an accurate count, no matter what it is.
2: Gotcha. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Patrick with us. It's Lieutenant Governor, I should say. Uh, Dan, the other thing would be, I like the way Florida did it. They counted, counted ahead of time. Therefore, they were ready by the end of the night. They were ready within a half hour of closing or two hours. Uh, why can't yeah, we, we allow other states to-, to do that?
13: Well, the the, the problem, of Brian, I guess, is you know, at one time when we thought we had honest folks Uh, counting votes. And I guess we've always had some shenanigans in in history everywhere, probably both parties over the history of this country. But now that that, uh, we are into uh, early voting, uh, voting by mail, election day voting, when you add everything up, you have to have a system in place where you can count your votes on election night or, you know, 90 percent plus where you can determine a winner and wrap most of the rest up by the next morning. And that's what we did in Texas. We do the same thing as Florida. You know, we were able to call Texas, you know, on election night. I don't know what time it was, maybe 10 o'clock when Fox called it. I don't remember, but I knew I knew when it was going to be over. I don't know what it related to the media. But we allow voting to be, you know, you can count in advance. Um, you have enough people employed. You do it with transparency. Uh, you know, you didn't, there's no, by the way, have you heard the Democrats complaining about anywhere that Trump won that it was close, that the Republicans uh, counted the votes in secret, or that there was a problem with the mail-in, balloting? No, you haven't heard that because the Republican states, for the most part, and I do have some problems with the way georgia has been running their show down there, but the Republican states did it right. People, we need to wrap up our elections on election night or at least by the next morning. Right. And, and that has to be a national, that would have to be a national bill because every state runs their own elections. So right now you have 50 different election systems in the country. And, and I would have to, Brian, just step back and say, wait a minute. If Philadelphia knew that their mail-in ballots went up dramatically. I forget if it was five-fold, six-fold, seven-fold, whatever it was compared to 16, as well as Nevada that never had a mail-in system before, and they just implemented it this year, and in Michigan, and in Wisconsin, and Georgia. Well, why did they set it up that way? Why did the legislature allow that to happen? Why weren't there more uh, people to count the ballots? Why weren't they prepared? Yep. And I think it's ironic that in, in the Democrat states, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, in those three states, um, it didn't seem like there were enough people ready to do it. And they waited to find out how many votes maybe they needed uh, before they started counting. And I'm not trying to throw out a conspiracy. I'm just – I'm, just, I'm look, like, I'm a regular guy. okay? I happen to be the lieutenant governor of Texas, but I'm looking at this logically. When you hide what you're doing from me, it raises suspicion. You know in the NFL, you're a football fan like I am, Brian – In the NFL, if they go overtime, they flip the coin. The team that wins the toss, do they take the ball first? No. They want the other team to have the ball first so they know if they have to get a touchdown or field goal. It's always an advantage to know what you need before you start counting your votes.
2: Absolutely. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, we'll see how this all ends up. Uh, Right now, everything is still up in the air, uh, and everyone's still fighting the virus. That's one thing all 50 states are doing. Uh, Thanks so much, Dan. Yeah,
13: and we don't want any lockdowns, Brian. We don't
2: want any lockdowns. Yeah. Uh, we have to
13: fight this together, take the risk, and, and keep our country moving forward. Yeah,
2: it's too late for Michigan, Oregon, and Washington, but don't let it happen to Texas. Uh, thanks, yeah. Governor. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks. Uh, when we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669, then Mick Mulvaney on what the president should be doing and what he is doing and what he's likely to announce.
1: Newsmakers and newsbreakers, here at first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple
12: Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all
1: the details. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
14: New rule with two Senate seats in Georgia still possible. Seats that will make the difference between gridlock and progress. Democrats must figure out why so many voters still say to them, You're good enough, you're smart enough, but doggone it, we don't like you. Democrats were supposed to flip the Senate and didn't. Supposed to flip state legislatures, not a one. And they lost seats in the House in a year that was so much about making people aware of racism. Their share of minority votes went down. The message to Democrats from so much of the country seems to be, we don't like Trump, but we still can't bring ourselves to vote for you.
2: Uh, yeah, in Bill Maher's own unique uh, way. He's 100 percent right. But it's not really a mystery and it's not something that really needs to be thought about. or You need a therapist. As Congressman Henry Cuellar said, uh, it was very obvious to him defunding the cops hurt. Also, when it came to the Rio Grande Valley, they said the whole anti-oil and fracking uh, rhetoric was not helpful. They also said the new Green Deal, fi- uh, firmly supported by so many on the left, like Bernie Sanders, who's cutting a deal with Joe Biden, was not something they wanted part of. And get this, the whole socialism thing, they said, according to Congressman uh, Vicente Gonzalez, a Democrat from South Texas, who won by over 50 percent of the vote two years after he nearly captured 60 percent. So he lost 10 points. He said, quote, I had to fight to explain to all uh, to all through all of that. He said to Asian and Hispanic migrants, uh, they looked at all this stuff as despotic and left-wing—these uh, are the despotic and left-wing regimes that they left to get here. They didn't want any part of it once they got here. So it's not really that hard to explain. It just shows you voters are smarter. How does that play into Georgia? Because if you give Joe Biden and the radical senators on the left, and maybe Joe Manchin goes along or doesn't, the filibuster's gone, in comes back in the court. John Ossoff, who wants to upset— Uh, Senator David Perdue said this, which to me is just not right. Cut 21.
4: I want to go back to to Joe Biden. He he obviously has been projected the winner in Georgia. We know there is that audit underway, but it appears the margin of victory will remain quite slim, about 14,000 votes. Given that narrow margin, is this about an aversion to Donald Trump or enthusiasm for Joe Biden?
9: There's massive enthusiasm for Joe Biden here, and look, Joe Biden just unseated an incumbent president by the most significant popular vote margin for a challenger since Hoover was defeated by Roosevelt in 1932.
2: While well, the challenger got more votes than the second most of anyone in history, Jeff, real quick, listen on WPFT in Raleigh, Jeff.
8: Yeah, you know what? My, my 49ers lost in an epic—excuse uh, me, my, my Bills lost in an epic play yesterday. They scored yep. 30 points, and we lost 32 to 30. I mean, I'm not hollering about we scored 30. No, you, you lost, you lost. Um, Biden ran a successful campaign. He got more votes than anybody in the history of this country. If that's losing, he, I want to yeah. be that. Well, let veteran. me just tell you, he ran a now, terrible
2: campaign. You know that. Maybe he had no choice, but he was terrible. His stump speeches, he just screamed at people. He only did about 10— In the last two weeks. So he was a terrible campaigner. Uh, I am really not sure how he got all those votes. He's certainly not more charismatic than Barack Obama. And he got more votes than him. He did almost nothing
12: from the fox news podcasts network download and listen to the untold story with martha mccallum the host of the story on fox news channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com
1: a radio show like no other it's brian kilmeade
6: president-elect biden won in this election more votes than anyone in history, and yet the 2020 vote wasn't a repudiation of Donald Trump. It was more like an affirmation. He received 71 million votes, 8 million more than he did
14: in 2016. What does that tell you about our country today? Well, A, it tells us that we're very divided. And as I said, it's not just the politicians now. The voters are divided. It has now become a contest where issues, facts, policies per se don't matter as much as identity and wanting to uh, beat the other guy.
2: Is that true? Uh, That was President Obama last night trying to sell one of his two-volume set of his autobiography. I don't even think he's 60 yet. Mick Bovaney has not done his two volumes on his life yet, and that's why I was able to catch up with him. They cannot meet his money demands. He's former acting chief of staff at the President of the United States and former congressman, of course, and former OMB director. Mick, welcome back.
8: Is he complaining about identity politics? Is that what I take yes. away from that clip? Yes. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm doing well. Hope you are. Brian's going to be back on the show.
2: Well, I mean, I was just uh, stunned by—I I love the question Scott Pelley made. I thought he would just say, you know, the president lost by this many votes. But instead he brought up the fact that very few people outside this channel or this show bring up that the president got about 72 million votes. And if those people wanted to, to reject him, even though he seems to have come in second, I would say they have a funny way of showing it. If, it, if he seems to be that unpopular, it's kind of an interesting finish.
8: Yeah, it's also, it also surprises me that uh, the former President uh, Obama missed the part about the country being divided. He's absolutely right about that, but it almost makes it sound like we're divided because the politicians are divided. The exact opposite is true. The reason the politicians are divided, are divided is because the country is divided. Um, and by the way, he's got a lot to do with that. He was supposed to be the great unifier. Remember, he was going to be the one that, that brought everybody together. Um, and he never really showed much interest in doing that. So uh, we are a product of, of our history, and certainly the recent history includes Barack Obama. So if you have to look to some of the folks that have, in fact, divided this nation, he's right at the top of the list.
2: You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, w- I was going to go a different direction, but I'll just finish off the Barack Obama portion of this program. Uh, this is something he said I found so disturbing uh, and just about his uh, his legacy— and what he thinks people saw when he saw him in the office. Cut
14: 34. But it's important for us not to let ourselves off the hook and think this is just a police problem. Because those shootings, that devaluation of life, is part and parcel with a legacy of discrimination and Jim Crow and segregation that we're all responsible for and if we're gonna actually put an end to racial bias in the criminal justice system then we're gonna have to work on doing something about racial bias in corporate america and bias in where people can buy homes so he thinks there's
2: something system is systematically still wrong with our system all these years later
8: well, I mean, let's, 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 uh, let's take him at his word. Let's assume everything that he just said is, is true. My question to him as an American citizen is, okay, you were president for eight years. For two of those years, you had complete control of every lever of government, including 60 votes in the United States Senate, which is just unheard of. You had authority and power the likes of which no modern president had seen. Why didn't you fix it? Why did you spend time on other things if that was so important to you? As, it is, as, it is, as apparently is now, why didn't you fix it? Um, and of course, maybe that's a rhetorical question. But listen, it is what it is, and the country will continue to soldier on. We always do. Uh, we deal with division. We deal with differences of opinion. Um, we can do. We can deal with this now. And I'm, I'm listen. I'm long term optimistic. Maybe more so than the former president.
2: So uh, Mick, I, I was hoping that the president continued to fight on, but at the same time, open up. uh, avenues to get the intelligence shared on our security, on the COVID-19, on the economy. Is it possible, do you think, for the president to continue to fight, and he does believe that he was robbed, I believe that he believes that, um, and still open up these venues to keep our security strong?
8: Yeah, and he's got the perfect excuse to do it. Um, Number one, there's no reason not to be giving uh, former Vice President Biden and Senator Harris the intelligence briefings that any incoming um, uh, president, vice president would have. That's not saying they would be or, or won't be. I'm just saying he got those briefings when he was vice president. He knows how to do with it. He's cleared at the very highest levels of security. Senator Harris is on the Senate Intel Committee, for goodness sakes. She could go down and get similar briefing in her role as a Senate right now, as senator right now. So there's no harm to be done from it. Plus, it could also be to the Republicans' advantage to doing that because you and I both know that if something bad happens in the first three, six, nine months of next year, that the Democrats will use this delay in some of the transition authorities as an excuse. Oh, if Trump had just let us get there early, we would have done X, Y, and Z. Most of that's made up, by the way. People forget, you know this, Brian, but a lot of folks don't remember. understand this, is that most of the people who work in any administration are professional career staffers. They do not come and go. The whole government doesn't turn over. It's just a small percentage of people who will leave and then come in uh, in any change of, of, of an administration. So all the folks who are doing the work, the overwhelming majority of the folks who are doing the work on COVID, doing the work on national security, they're there under Trump. They'll be there if Biden wins. There's no transition for those folks. So it, it, in my mind, it's a big, people make it out to be a bigger deal than it is. But at the same time, there's no reason not to be letting um, uh, Vice President Biden, Senator Harris, at least get some piece uh, of this transition.
2: So if you pre- you know the president as well as anybody and you worked with him in this job as long as anybody, what do you think he's thinking right now?
8: I think he's thinking he could still win. Uh, in fact, I just got an email from the campaign uh, about the status of the lawsuit in Pennsylvania House being misreported by the press, which is nothing new. I think he thinks it's an uphill battle. But I mean, think, face it, nobody expected him to win in the first place. Um, he, he will tell you that he did, but it was a short list of people who thought he could win in 2016. Uh, the media thought he had no chance this year, so he's made a living you know, overperforming uh, and dealing with low expectations. Um, so I think he feels he still has a chance. Now, that being said, they're running out of time. They need to start coming up with this evidence of what's called systemic bias in the, uh, or, or fraud in the system. Anecdotes are one thing. We all know anecdotes. I've been involved in a dozen uh, uh, elections over the course of my career, and everybody always has stories about dead people voting and people voting more than one time. That, that, that's going to happen. Okay. The question is, is there 100,000 of those in Pennsylvania? Probably not. So they need to find evidence soon of systemic problems like trouble with the software. Um, massive uh, ballot dumps, something like that. That's where they got to be looking right now, and they're running out of time to bring that evidence forward.
2: All right, let's talk about Georgia and what's at stake there. And just a little of uh, we know that uh, Dave Perdue is going to look to hold on to his job and Kelly Loeffler will look to hold on to her job. But it's a brand new thing. You got 600,000 registered voters by mail from Stacey Abrams' group. John Ossoff uh, was two points off in the original election. He feels he can make that up with the momentum that Joe Biden has displayed. Here's both candidates. Cut 19. Well, these
13: two seats, as Lindsey well noted, are the last line of defense against this liberal socialist agenda the Democrats will perpetrate. We heard Schumer just last week say that if we take Georgia, we change America. We heard AOC say we have, they have to have these two
5: seats because they don't want to negotiate. They want total control. And so what's at stake is this, is that Schumer will change the rules in the Senate so they can do anything they want. What we're
9: feeling for the first time in four years is hope is recognition that with Trump departing, we have the opportunity to define the next chapter in American history, to lead out of this crisis, but only by winning these Senate seats.
2: I know who you want to win. You want the first guy, David Perdue. But who do you think has the better
13: message?
8: You, you know, uh, I was just thinking about Asif's awesome comment there. If, if whether or not you have hope in life depends on what party controls the government you need to reevaluate your life. Um, you really do. That means that you rely way too heavily on government for too many things. Um, so that that that's that may be the most impressive point. thing I've heard in a long time. I think David's going to do well. People people forget David won the election. He just didn't get that fifty percent threshold that is unique in Georgia. Law at least not every state has that. Um, and don't discount um, the value of a recount in Georgia. While it's unlikely to uh, – well, unlikely. While we don't know the impact on the presidential race, um, David only needs you know a small handful of votes to get over 50 percent. It's not like David is losing. By the way, he's one of the best members of the Senate. That clip that you played is is just very insightful It's to the type of thinker he is. David Perdue is one of my favorite senators, and I think he's going to do extraordinarily well because folks in Georgia know what they have – in him, Kelly Loeffler is a little bit different. Not that she's not high quality; it's just no one knows her as well. She's new, as you know. She came in, was appointed by the uh, by the by the governor, so she doesn't have that same track record. Has not run an election before, a statewide election like David has. So um, the both rates, races are going to be close. I would expect the Republicans to win both of the races, but I would also expect the Democrats to pull out all of the stops all of the stops, because this is so very important to them to get total control of the federal government.
2: And we'll see how much Georgia actually changed. Dr. Michael Osterholm is a is now going to be serving uh, with the Biden uh, coronavirus team. He said this, and I think you can appreciate this as a, as a dollars and cents guy. Here he is, what he's recommending, how we handle the new surge in cases.
11: We could pay for a package right now to cover the, all of the wages, lost wages for individual
14: workers, for losses to small companies, to medium-sized companies, then we could lock down for four to six weeks.
2: How does that math work out with you, uh, Mick Mulvaney?
8: Well, There's a reason. you know, we used to joke with Trey Gowdy, and you know Trey, You know Trey and I are good friends, and Trey's a great lawyer. Whenever great lawyers started talking about math, it used to just make my head spin. Um, that guy, I don't know who he is, might be a good doctor, don't want him anywhere near the Office of Management and Budget that I used to run. Because um, statements like that are just just outrageous. The, the gross national pro- the gross domestic product in this country is about twenty trillion dollars. Another way to measure is that the national income is about twenty trillion dollars. So if he wants to pay everybody everything for a year and shut down, that's twenty trillion. That's just outrageous. Um, and verges on something that, that would be uh, completely condemned should somebody in our party say something just equally uh, ignorant. So, look, but you, elections have consequences. They do. Those are the people you elect uh, when you elect Joe Biden. Um, and uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But if it does, those are going to be the folks making decisions at some very, very high levels of this government for the next four years. I have news
2: for you. Oregon's shutting down for two weeks, Michigan for four weeks, and Washington for four weeks. I mean, they're doing that. Yeah.
8: Well, they can do it because they'll blame it on the on Republicans, right? Democrats love taking over during crises because they can make it worse, which is you know, what their policies inevitably do, and still blame it on the outgoing Republican administration. So if they tank the economy, which they will do if they shut down again. They could say, well, it wasn't our fault. This was starting when Trump was here. We, we just did what we had to do. So blame him. Don't blame us. It's the same thing that Obama got away with for eight years coming out of the, of, of the Great Recession of 2007-2008. Their policies are what kept us in a slow growth period for a long period of time and took so long to get back. Their policies are broken um, but they can blame it on the Republicans, and of course so many in the press are are are, um, are inclined to believe that. And most folks don't understand economics anyway, so they believe um, what, the, what the media tells them. So, no, listen, um, it's dangerous to have folks like that economically uh, making decisions. We'll just have to do the best we can. I continue to be optimistic about the country, um, despite what Ossoff says uh, about whether or not I should base my hope uh, <laughs> on, on what oh, party's in charge.
2: You are really telling like it is. And lastly, you do believe the president's going to run again. If he doesn't win this,
8: you know, someone quoted me saying he's I said he's absolutely going to run. I I don't think I'm that set in the ways. I think he's absolutely going to give it long, hard thought uh, for a variety of reasons. He he will be roughly the same age as Biden is four years from now. So age really isn't is a problem. He's a lot more sort of vibrant than than Biden is right now, uh, clearly. Um, But more importantly, he doesn't like to lose. He doesn't like to lose. And if he loses, he's not going to want that on his resume. He wants to be known as one of the great presidents. Every president does. That's not unique to Donald Trump. But it's hard to make the case that you're a great president if you're a one-term president. So it would not surprise me if he will take a long, hard look at running again. And if he does, if he is ultimately determined to have lost this election, it wouldn't surprise me to see him on his way out. Um, be at the very least ambiguous about whether or not he would run again because I'm certain that uh, it's factoring into his decision making in some way shape or form.
2: So John Bolton used to be a constant guest here. I thought he'd do a great job if uh, if uh, General McMaster had to go and he did and he went in and now he's the one of the president's leading detractors and I'm watching him all weekend talking about uh, how bad a president he is. Did you see this not working from day one and can you tell me where this thing went off the rails?
8: Um yeah, the, the 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 president um made a mistake or the president's advisors made a mistake. Um it- because they did what they wanted to do. They wanted people in the building who disagreed with the president, okay? It's why they hired John Bolton. It's one of the reasons they hired me. I'm a lot more fiscally conservative than the president is. But he put me at the Office of Management and Budget because he wanted differences of opinion. So they watched Bolton on TV. They knew about Bolton. They said, you know what? He's a lot more neoconservative. He's a lot more interventionist than the president is. But that will bring some balance and really help bring some, some, some meat to the discussions as we talk about doing things like pulling out of Afghanistan. That was the right decision. The wrong decision was to hire somebody who couldn't go along with the team if he didn't win the argument. I mean, I I wrote a bunch of budgets that spent more money than I would have written if I were the president, but I'm not the president. And I could defend those positions because the president ultimately made the decision. John Bolton was never a good enough of a team player to do that. John Bolton really wanted to be president. He thought he should be president. He thought he'd be better at being president than Donald Trump. And when Donald Trump would disagree with him and ultimately say, no, John, what you've recommended, we're not going to do. Instead of then getting on the team and helping the president be successful, right. Bolton would continue to try and undermine him uh, in various ways. So that's a bad staffer. It's a bad member of your executive team. And that's the mistake they made when right. they brought Bolton in. And I think it's bearing out now. You're seeing that when John goes on TV and, and trashes the president. And, look, if you really hate the president, you probably shouldn't work with him. If <laughs> you really should you owe it to the country to get out of the way. Um, that was one of my main criticisms of John Kelly, who's chief of staff, was that he just hate the president. And didn't want him to be president. And I think it was openly against him when he ran for re-election. You can't be a good staffer if you, if you, if you feel that way. You can disagree with the president. You should disagree with the president. What one of the reasons you, he wants you on the team. But you have Thank to you. play as a team member at the end of the day, and not everybody's able to do that, including John Bolton.
2: Mick Mulvaney, you were, and I know he appreciates that. Mick Mulvaney, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate the candid talk.
8: It's always good talking to you, Brian. Take care. I'll Talk to you soon.
1: Go get him, Mick. Uh, back in a moment. A radio show of the people. For the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: If the schools hit the 3%, what i'm suggesting to the parents and the teachers and the mayor is let's take a second calculus which is the infection rate in the school we know new york city is at 3 uh, let's add a, an element of the infection rate in the school and if the school is below a certain threshold let that school reopen uh but the parents and the teachers have to agree there is no fiat here
2: well in private schools, they're going to school. In Catholic schools, the 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 enrollment rate is through the roof. The applications are through the roof, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, they oftentimes, they don't get paid as much, but yet they have uh, all these different elements of society uh, to deal with. And a lot of times people saying, well, I don't have the extra money. I'm not going to go to Catholic school, and it's hurting the Catholic Church. who's are not getting donations anyway. Now these teachers stay in jobs. So that's good news. As far as New York goes, tens of thousands of kids who just said screw it I am not going to New York City schools I'm going elsewhere I'm moving out or picking another school that's because this governor thinks he knows everything he doesn't talk to people he dictates
12: from the Fox News Podcasts Network I'm Ben Domenech Fox News contributor and editor of the transom.com daily newsletter and I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week it's the Ben Domenech Podcast subscribe and listen now by going to Foxnewspodcasts.com.